0: This episode of the 343 podcast is supported by Bounce Athletics. Bounce Athletics is offering you an additional 10% discount because they know that you are serious about high-quality soccer products if you are listening to this show. Training balls from Bounce Athletics can be customized with your logo and your color scheme and will only cost you about $15 to $20 per ball. And if you compare similar textured training balls from Nike, Adidas, or Select... Those would be in the $50 to $60 range. Now, I've personally tested the balls from Bounce Athletics. They feel great. They look great. They roll great. They hold air, which is super important. They are legit, and I highly recommend them. To top everything off, Bounce Athletics will send you complimentary mockups of what your balls will look like with your logo on them. Just email your logo to info at Bounce Athletics to begin the order process. And remember to mention 343 so you get that additional 10% discount when you place your order. This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Jordan Farrell is a youth soccer coach from Stockton, California. Leading up to our conversation, I asked Jordan what he wanted to talk about, and he said the structure of the system, and that is exactly what we did. We also discussed his playing experience in college and also his playing experience abroad. We talked about the quality of players in California's Central Valley and what is keeping them from joining the traditional system, and we also talked about what is missing from American soccer that is holding our country back. I know those are all very big topics. We've discussed all those before, but Jordan provides some very good talking points and some very good insight from his vantage point in the dead center of California. You can connect with Jordan on Twitter. I've included a link to that on 343coaching.com, and I've also included some other relevant 343 podcast episodes, including the one that Jordan unknowingly referenced while we were talking. That was pretty funny. You'll hear uh, you'll hear that. Uh, if you like this episode, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with other coaches, parents, players, or fans. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you are feeling nice and you are feeling generous, a five-star rating is always welcomed. Uh, but if you really want to support the 343 Podcast, the best way to do that is by joining the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program what you get in return when you subscribe is the best coaching education program designed by a proven practitioner i'm not the practitioner i am actually a user i'm a member of the program and i vouch for this program because what i have learned from it has completely changed the way that i coach my teams were good but they were winning with the typical american physical bootball style and i absolutely hated it i loved winning but i hated the style that we were playing to win but when I started studying 343, my team started to win with an elegant, beautiful Spanish possession style. And I've been a member of the program since it launched, and I could not be happier. 343 has taught me so much about possession-based soccer. It has been the absolute best investment of my time and my money that I've made when it comes to coaching education. And if you guys listen to this podcast regularly, you guys hear me talk about all the things that I've done. I've done YouTube videos galore, DVDs, books. Uh, Corver courses, uh, other courses, traditional courses, whatever. I've done it all. This to me has been the best use of my time and my money. The 343 membership program teaches you a proven methodology which comes directly from one of the best coaches in American soccer. And when you sign up, you get instant access to videos of real games and real training sessions. And you also have 24-7 access to ebooks, audio lessons, recorded classroom presentations, on-field clinics, and members-only forums for networking and sharing ideas. With other 343 coaches to find out all of the details and to learn more about the benefits of joining the 343 program you can visit 343coaching.com all right uh, i hope that you are ready for this episode with jordan farrell john how's it going what's up jordan how's everything going today all right man another day another day another, in, another day in, in california youth soccer huh right <laughs> exciting stuff man hey um i i, I want to start out by saying i i first uh kind of got to know you through your interview with chris kramer okay so that was i don't know what two years ago maybe
1: yeah, quite um, some time.
0: Yeah, you were one of his first episodes, and and that's where I kind of, I kind of got to know you. And I think you might even been his first like repeat guest, right? You've been on his show a couple times.
1: I have, yeah, it's twice. Um, it's always a lot to lot to talk about, never everything, right? Dude, you
0: have no idea. Like after recording, I don't know, I'm probably over 200 episodes now. I leave every episode thinking like, well, that would have been a great three hour conversation, but
1: um crammed it all into 45 minutes <laughs> I mean it sounds like that every every podcast it's like oh man I wish that would go on for you know a couple more hours but that wouldn't be good for anybody no it would be
0: <laughs> I kind of I kind of keep track of like what people or like where people drop out out of the of the podcast episodes and whatnot and I used to record like two hour episodes and and I realized like people weren't listening all the way to the end and Thirty to forty-five minutes, like I texted you a little bit ago, kind of is kind of like the sweet spot, and it's enough of their their attention, and maybe you know that's the average commute. I don't know, but thirty to forty-five minutes seems to be the sweet spot for whatever reason.
1: Uh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Interesting. yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, you you know the deal. You're you're a podcast veteran. You've been on on shows before, so I don't need to go through the pleasantries with you.
1: <laughs> um, no worries, man. I'm in a quiet place, so it should work. Perfect. Um,
0: <laughs> sorry. Let's uh, let's start off with just uh, just give everybody uh, an introduction. Who who are you? What do you do? Where where do you do it at? And then we'll kind of we'll kind of bounce around from there.
1: Yeah, um, my name is Jordan Farrell. Um, I grew up here in the Central Valley in in Stockton, um, and now I coach soccer for uh, Sac Republic. And I say soccer because I assume most of your audience is American, but I prefer football.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's yeah, whatever. They'll they'll figure it out <laughs> if they're listening <laughs> to the podcast. They, they they got it figured out. Um, got it. Yeah. So so kind of if you can describe the lay of the land out in Stockton, because when when you when you say Central Valley. I, I know what you mean and I, I've driven the incredibly boring Highway five for I don't know hours and hours and hours multiple times and I kind of know what it's like out there. but people that aren't from California they they probably don't understand what it is like what that piece of land is like and and what the soccer there or what that does for the soccer in Central Valley.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it's still wild west. And I say that, um, in like a, like a structural sense, but also in like a, the, the passionate sense. Um, I mean, the football here is, is amazing. We have ballers. I mean, I, there's kids that try things, um, that like you, you can only imagine. Um, but also it's a wild West in terms of what you would traditionally see clubs and what a club is, um, uh, you know the, you don't have uh the same structures that you have even like over in the bay area or up here in sacramento it's it's completely different um but it's a it's a certainly a a, a gold mine waiting to be mined and people are doing a lot of good work so that's uh that's the plus side um, it's coming, but it, it just hasn't been. And, and so a lot of the footballs developed in indoors or in, um, you know, backyards or streets, um, you know, uh, like I said, I'm from Stockton. And so if you go down to the, the south side, you see, um, you know, little pickup games everywhere. Um, and then the parks, the, the adult leagues that kids are playing in when they're 13 years old, um, you know, it really is. If you're good enough, you're old enough. Uh, and that's how kids learn which is different than a lot of American soccer, uh, places, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: Stockton, do they have like a, a, oh man, it's not PDL anymore. What is it? USL two or USL one. Um, do, do they, does Stockton have a, a professional outlet or is Sacramento the closest?
1: Uh, Sacramento is the closest USL. Uh, Fresno also has USL, but Sacre, but Stockton only has, uh, uh, well, they have a coming MPSL team, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, an indoor team, M- MISL 2, I think.
0: Oh, got it. So Landon Donovan's going to get to make a trip to to the beautiful city of Stockton then. It's, p- it's pretty soon. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and and I don't mean to, I don't mean to kind of degrade Stockton. I come from Santa Maria, which is nothing to write home about. But Stockton, if I if I remember correctly, it, I mean it's it's. The fucking hood, right? Like, they're, like, it's not an easy city for, for kids to grow up in, and especially
1: in certain neighborhoods, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Stockton's like any city over 250,000 people, right? I think that's like a, a marker of like a bigger city, right? Um, it's 60, it's like in the mid-60s of like largest cities in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have like, the thing about Stockton, which is different than some other, other cities is instead of having like a um, uh, the north side is nice and the west side is where you don't go or the south side, like it in in the north side, the west side, the east side, there's a hood right next to a very affluent area, hmm. and it's like you you can drive on the same street and go three blocks and go from like wow those homes are really nice to like whoa where are we yeah um, and so that's what like. Uh, and, and, you know, Stockton had a lot of crimes, but it's also a, a process. So I, I, I studied sociology in college. Um, and one of the, the uh, important social theories that I've, I've read a lot and done a lot of work with um, is about it's about process sociology. So it's about like um, historical chains and how they loop to like the current situation. And there's a lot with Stockton, Stockton's a port city. Um, Stockton was, uh, very influential in the gold rush and, uh, the, um, uh, it's one of the furthest inland ports in the Western United States. Um, and so, and it's like, uh, it's an axis for, for two major freeways. And so there's a lot of intersections that happen in Stockton. I think that makes it unique. That's the good th- part about Stockton is the interaction between the affluent and the, the um, the
0: poor. And that's always an interesting uh, collision point when it comes to soccer as well. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast, especially, are, are pretty in tune with the fact that you know, like things like the development academy and whatever, like, or, or just club soccer in general. I, I guess we can just, just say club soccer in general uh, rules out a, a certain class of, of people, um, you know, that can't afford to play or can't afford to pay, and, and then you get the you get the crowd that decides to just go in, and play pickup or street ball or men's league or things like that, because it's more affordable and more accessible to them. And so like the, the, the soccer world is that collision of kind of like affluence and, and lack of, I don't know the right way to say it. Lack of affluence, I guess.
1: Um, lack of resources. Yeah. Resources, I mean,
0: yeah.
1: everywhere else in the world, you have, uh, you know, owners that, that, um, or, or sponsors that fund, clubs and teams and you know what have you but you also have that mechanism in, in terms of being able to train players and um, be be paid for the training that you put into players and what they achieve later on um, and that's missing in the United States and I think it's it's that's a like a it's like a match you know you light a, a match in a room with explosives and then that goes off because that's that's what's missing in terms of connecting the two right? Because once the, once the resources feel like they can make more resources off of investing in players, they'll invest more resources.
0: That's uh, so a, you, you, you described it really, really well. It's like, if you don't, <laughs> uh, if you don't see a return on your investment, then how can you reinvest? Like, how, how are you going to be able to make your second investment? How are you gonna be able to make your third, your fourth, your fifth investment? And that's what a lot of people, I, I, I don't know if they connect that dot. And, and if, you know, the way that the American soccer landscape is is kind of set up is that you're just asking people, the same people, to just, you know, in, invest in just their one player, their one kid. And that's not really the right way to do it. I, I And I, I don't know if I described that properly or not, but um, the, the club is always looking for or clubs are always looking for a parent to come in and, and just, you know, just pay for their their one kid. And the club then really doesn't have a, a reason to invest or reinvest in, in other, in other things. I probably described that
1: terribly, but. No, you're, I mean, you're right. The, the club doesn't have, uh, if, if, if everyone there it's, it's, uh, it's individual transactions with the club.
0: Yeah, that exactly. All right. Perfect. You said it better than I did.
1: <laughs> no, I mean that that's the reason you don't have clubs that are building, you know, their facilities. Because it's an individual transaction, and 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 they're not thinking about the club necessarily. Um, they're thinking about themselves, and sometimes coaches are thinking about themselves. I mean, when I say the wild west, um, you know, when I first got my start working in, in a club here in town, um, it's now Surf, but was Menarchus. um, We looked at it, and there was like there was like three or four clubs within the club. It was like. Uh, same age groups. Two coaches had two different teams, and they never shared players. Even if they were down players, they would use players from their other teams and not like share players. It wasn't like a club. You know, it was individual teams that were flying um, and doing doing what they do. They were developing players. You know, where, and most
0: where were the players going?
1: I mean, the players have gone to Mexico. The players have gone um, um, to Europe. You know, little Alex Alcala. Yes. Yeah. So he was in my club. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I got to work with that kid and I also worked with him uh, in PDP, but he's uh, that kid is fun to watch, but he's also been that way. Like his mentality. um, And I don't want to speak for Alex, but I, I, again, like he was in my club for about two years. Um, But every time you're at a field, Alex is sitting there painting the corners of a goal. Nobody's telling him to do it. Alex is—he's like having his friends cross balls in. He's hitting bikes into the corners. Like he—he—he generally genuinely enjoys working on that kind kind of stuff.
0: Do you think? Uh, do you think there's any? And this is me just speculating, but do you think uh, it—it's an outlet for him? Like, do you think like that's you know what? Is his escape from something else? Is that why he enjoys it so much, or or is is it other stuff? Uh, like I mean, he just literally enjoys it.
1: Yeah, like the the neighborhood that he grew up in isn't big houses and green lawns, and you know, um, it's the, the opposite. I mean, you've se- I don't know if you've seen, but there's like um, his his backyard is where he does a lot of work, and it's you know broken concrete and what you need to be a player if you want to be a player you know uh, he makes he makes use of it but he's also yeah it's it's very true he's driven you know he sees i think he sees what's around him
0: yeah one one thing that i i was talking to somebody about it not too long ago when christian Polisic's dad started his podcast and was talking about like you know christian's childhood and and, and whatnot and and I just felt like that gave people the wrong sense of, you know, what what the story should be like or what the story is like for so many other players. Like Christian is is I I think a rare case where he came from a very um, affluent family. He he grew up with with a perfect childhood, both mom and dad in the home. You know, it. it not, I, of course, I'm sure they had their own their own issues, but you know f- for the most part, I would say that's rare for the kids that that make it as far as Christian has. Like if you look at the rosters of professional European teams or whatever, I would say that you know there's there's a lot more struggle in in, in those players than there are you know success stories at, at younger ages when it comes to family and school and, and, and whatnot. And so uh, the reason I, I, I bring that up is when Christian's dad had started his podcast, I felt like that was kind of giving parents, this false sense of, you know, that's what it really takes for, for the kids to make it. It's like, no, not for kids like Alex, like you're talking about, like that, that's completely different. That's, that's not their reality. That's not the reality for guys like, um, uh, that I'm, I'm more familiar with like Alex Mendez or Uli Yanez, like those guys grew up in the freaking hoods in, in Los Angeles. Like their, their reality wasn't Christian's reality. And, and so I guess, uh, there's not one specific way that is going to make it, you know, right or wrong or anything like that. But I just really got the feeling that parents and, and coaches as well were saying like, Oh yeah, like th- look at how Christian made it. That's how, that's how it's supposed to be done. I'm like, no, 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 That's not how it's supposed to be done. That's not the only oh, way. Oh, that's
1: one do. way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's one way. Um, and I think that the important thing is the, the, um, uh, the drive, you know, like yeah. you mentioned Alex and, and, and Yuli and, um, you can see it in their eyes and I've never met the guys, but I've, I've, you know, watched interviews and, and, um, read up and seen, you know, um, what I can, and you can see it in, in the way they, they play. You can see it with Alex. I mean, you know, that kid, they, um, somebody, I think it was, uh, I can't remember who I read something the other day and it was, um, talking about, um, somebody that was at Stoke and they were talking about youth players coming up. And um, they said, you can see it in their eyes in like the first five minutes. Um, and, and I think that's, that's, that's what you you're talking about. You can see it in Christian pools, eyes, you know, he's the, the drive definitely, um, and how his, uh, how he used his affluence to make it work for him. Um, credit to him. Right. Like he, he's, he's in the place that he's in. Um, his resources are a factor for sure. But just like Alex is in the place that he's in and his non-resources are a factor for sure. He just had to, he had to navigate it completely differently. And I think that's the part that, you know, American soccer is, is, is missing from the rest of the world. Now I played in, I played in Germany and I played in like the, um, the fifth division. So it's now a fourth division. It's the Bayern league. It's like the, the state of Bavaria. Um, and when i was there you know my team was basically like u23s and it was a mix you know at at that level like guys that had um, grown up in you know fc nuremberg's academy or or uh, you know other top top academies in bavaria um, or like the homegrown kids and they were like all 18 to 23 basically and it was a mix and you could see kind of which ones were were um the kids who had resources, so they had been playing, but like didn't really have the drive, you know. And then you could also see the kids that were like, they don't have resources and they're playing and they're they're driven. And you could see it over there. You could see the same thing over here.
0: When you when you went over to Germany, was that your was that your first time joining a team abroad?
1: Yeah. So actually, I like um, I grew up like a multi sport athlete. Um, all the way through high school I finished uh, The spring of my high school running track I, I like uh, Got pretty close to getting to the state championships but Missed out just a little bit um, So yeah I, I kind of turned to soccer in college And I went to a D3 school And that was the, I think the best thing for me I think looking back I should probably should have transferred after the first two years When I had like really engrossed myself in soccer And was like okay this is what I want to do Um, should have transferred just to achieve some better competition Um, but when I went over to Germany it was like basically I knew I wanted to get out of the country because American soccer wasn't for me because I didn't play D1 basically I was like I I figured out like it would have been tough for me to be a pro because I didn't play D1 soccer because there wasn't like lower division football really like the way that it is now and it's not it's developing you know Um, from 10 years ago to now, but over there, there's an extensive lower league system. So I was like, okay, I'll get on with the team and, and, and make it. So, um, yeah, I connected with a, a program that got you trials over there, like 30, it was like a 30 day trial. And then I found out that in Germany, you could be there for 90 days without having to like get a visa or anything. Um, all you needed was a passport. So I bought a one way ticket. And just was like, I'm going to make it.
0: <laughs> what were what were some of the most eye-opening things when you when you made it over there? Like like your first week in in Germany, your training, you're meeting your teammates, your coaches for the for the first time. Like, what, what were some of the most eye-opening things?
1: Yeah. So the first club I went to, um, I got there, and then uh, the the sponsor basically went bankrupt like the week I got there. Um, so that was like, that was, but it was eye opening, you know, it's like you never experienced that. Um, uh, otherwise. And so, um, that was interesting, but also just the training, I mean, the, the professionalism, the locker rooms, the, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't even, you know, top level, but it was the feel around it was professional, um, because there was guys who, had been in professional academies or were on their way to being pros. And, and so, um, you could just feel it around training. The, the buzz was way different. Uh, the speed of play was incredibly fast. And I went there in like October. So, um, already, you know, it's the black forest and whatnot, but, um, the, the grass was slick and the ball was humming like five V two, um, was the pace of it. It took me a, a second to adjust, you know? Um, and I knew first, first night guys are going to be coming for you because you're American, you know, like first couple tackles were sharp. Um, but I also had coaches who had played overseas, um, growing up. So they had told us all these stories and, and really like kind of educated us on what to expect. Um, so I didn't feel like I was out of place.
0: Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics.
1: As a part-time
0: DOC, I had a budget and, you know, we needed training gear every year and it just was getting more and more difficult to find decent, high-quality, affordable training balls. That's Zach. He's the co-founder of Bounce Athletics. And as a coach, he was having a hard time finding quality soccer balls at an affordable price. So he started searching for ways to solve that problem for himself and for others. We've been able to experiment with a lot of different textured materials and construction methods. And, and I think we've really got it dialed in to, to where now, you know, with, with our training balls, we're providing super high level training balls that have all the modern technology in them for a fraction of the price of global brands. Zach and Bounce Athletics are offering 343 members and listeners 10% off orders of those custom premium soccer balls that he was just talking about. Email info at com to start the order process and be sure to mention 343 to receive your 10% discount. All right, let's get back to the show. I want to. I want to just... Say something that's kind of bouncing around in my brain right now. It's not really a question; it's more of a thought, and then I just want to kind of get your reaction to it. But it's uh, it, it's something that we don't typically think about as an American soccer culture. But when we are developing players, a lot of times we think we're competing against other you know Americans, other D one colleges, or other academies, or E C L clubs, whatever. And we I I don't think a lot of times realize that. All around the world, they're developing millions and millions of players as well, and they see MLS as an opportunity. They see USL as an opportunity to continue playing if they don't make it in their home countries. And those players are typically, um, for for right now, um, more, more advanced than the players that we are developing here in America. So American roster spots are not guaranteed for American players. And so if you go into... You know the development process thinking i need to be better than this kid that's you know at this other academy in california it's like you're limiting the way that you should be thinking about it because you should be competing against all the kids in brazil all the kids in argentina all the kids in in uruguay because those guys are going for your spots as well the kids in germany i mean those those players in foreign countries now are and and have been for quite a while Uh, they've been occupying roster spots on college or at colleges and and, and whatnot. And so when you said that you were going over to Germany and you know, the guys are going to be gunning for you because you're, you're trying to take one of their spots. Like like that's one of their friend's spots or that's their brother's spot or, you know, that, that, or it's money
1: or it's money. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's money if they're not starting, like they're not getting paid the same.
0: Yep. And, and these are just things that uh, in the American soccer environment, we don't think about those things to that level of detail. Like we, we think about, you know, recruiting or, or tryouts or things like that. We don't, we don't go to the, to the, to the minutes, like to, to zooming in that far to seeing all those incredible details. And that really hurts us, I think. So not a question. I don't know. Just a thought. I don't know how how you might react to that, but.
1: No, it's true. I mean, I think that's, but there are some environments in America and, uh, you know, I think some of the critics of, of, you know, the conversation we're having and being in agreement about that, like some of the critics are that, oh, you you know, there, there are people doing good work. Yeah, absolutely. There are, there are people doing good work in America that, that are, that are ingraining those type of values and understanding into uh, their players. And you can see the players coming out of it. You know, you can, you can see because they're in the pressure cooker. We, we, we talk about like, um, uh, those environments in Italy or in, in, in even China and, and places like that where, where, um, I listened to a podcast the other day and I can't remember, uh, which one it was, but somebody was talking about, they were doing work in India and they were saying that, that a kid was traveling five hours by trains, by like multiple trains, buses and whatnot Jordan, to get to, podcast. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> And I was like I was like this, this is what people don't understand. Yep. like the hunger and the drive that, that kids have in other countries because the, it's their way out. Luis Suarez chasing his his girlfriend now wife, you know all over the world playing football because he wants to be um, I mean he wants to be a footballer. he wants to win. he wants to um, uh, achieve at the highest level like the, that's a that's a drive and that's what makes top footballers unique. And top footballers, meaning ones that have good careers and ones that have great careers, like there's a different level of drive. Um, and, and you know, the re- um, going back to like, you know, what I what I studied in, in sociology, it's not about like the the resources necessarily like you're saying the volume of players that are are poor because of what they don't have. Like they don't have other things to distract them. They have a ball, they have friends, they have um, a place to play and they want to play. Other, other places you have, you know, you have Xbox, you have um, this to do. You have multiple sports to pull your attention because um, you know, that's what your friends are doing. If you're more affluent but you can also have friends that aren't doing that and that are doing football and you end up like Christian Poulsen. Um, So I think it's about like just what you're, what you're driven for. Um, But the resources make a big difference. Um, I've said for, for the longest and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always working um, towards building something here in Stockton because I think the, 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 if you build it, you will come. Um, So, you know, I. that's why I went to Pacific. I I, I first started at the junior college here in Stockton. Um, I, I coached there for, for three years and then I moved to Pacific and started a D1 program like as an assistant. Um, uh, in my backyard, that was the best experience of my life. And now building a, a club here in the Central Valley, an MLS club. I mean, because SAC uh, is built for MLS. They've always said that they were. Um, And that's what attracted me because building those opportunities to build the structures um, that grab those players and and put them in a pressure cooker. You know, you have you have these raw materials. Right. And and academies everywhere in the world are trying to squeeze those raw materials and shave those raw materials and, you know, beat those raw materials to to create diamonds. Or crack pipes, and if you crack pipes, you fall out, and that's that's good. You know about that, but that's what the system is for. That's what an academy is for. That's what we're we're supposed to be doing if we're building a club is mining the resources in our in our area.
0: Yeah, I just wish we had a you know a, a system that embraced all all of the resources that this country has to offer. Mean and resources, meaning. Um, investors, resources, meaning coaches, players, fans, um, so you know, just people that are willing to support the their number one, their immediate, their their local communities, and then you know, expanding beyond that too, like you know, supporting their region, supporting their state, supporting their country, and there's a ton of resources that we we leave on the sidelines because of the system that we have in American soccer that just doesn't. It doesn't enable all of those people to be involved in the in the system. I, I, there's no other way to put it, I guess. And so you get a you get a city like Stockton that's probably overflowing with with youth soccer players and overflowing with people that you know watch games on TV and 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 whatnot. And then it's like, well, okay, like where can they go watch a professional game on Saturday and Sundays or Friday nights? They can't, and and that's kind of a bummer. So.
1: Yeah. It was um so the first game we played at Pacific was an exhibition. It was a un um like n- not marketed No, we didn't do any social media anything like that, right? And um like 750 or something like that people showed up. That's awesome. You know, and and, and you just see like it was lights, it was um jerseys, it was a good level of football and people wanted to be there. Um uh, I imagine if there's, a, you get, you get on a train in any, in any country. And by the time you leave a major city, you've seen five football clubs, yep. six football clubs yep. and the land is here. It's the central Valley, <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's the crazy part, man, is that there, there are absolutely people out there that number one can afford uh, to invest in, in, in anything that they want um let alone sports um but but yeah there there's people that are willing to give their resources in order to uh y- you know empower youth sports um uh youth, youth soccer clubs youth baseball clubs whatever it's like you see people donating land all the time in, in the the valleys where is it in Bakersfield they have like that 40 field whatever soccer park Kern County soccer park it's like that's, yeah. that that thing's you know that thing's badass the only thing that would, that, that would make it better is if they had, you know, uh, like a kind of like a feature stadium, like a, like a,
1: yeah like a, you know, 2000 person
0: stadium. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. And they don't need to be extravagant. That's what, I, uh, you know, a lot of people think, like, if you have a stadium, it has to be, no, it's like, uh, I've played at a lot of stadiums that held, you know, like you said, two, three, 4,000 people and they were nice. They weren't anything special, but they were nice. Um, yeah but it's just a, it's a, it's a location that everybody can go to. You know, we miss the club, the athletic club, the, the, the diner, like you need to have some place where people can share food. Cause that's an important part of culture. Um, and if that's surrounded by football, if, if parents can eat together or work out together, um, um, in at the same place where they drop their kids off to play football, think about the community that you build around the club. Um, and then, you know, everybody knows about, Every player, and they're 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 invested in the success of every every team and every player. Um, that creates more pressure, yeah. right? Because there's that there's that social part um, that's important. So yeah,
0: yeah. I remember uh, I went and visited uh, an athletic club in Spain, just outside of Barcelona. It was uh, juniors juniors FC. And their coaching director at the time, I think he's still there actually, um, had come over, um, the year prior and done a, a presentation for us in, in Las Vegas for our 343 members. And then when I went the next year to Spain, I I hit him up and I said, Hey, can I come tour the club? And, and so I was telling, telling my, I guess you can call my guide, um, that I wanted to go visit this club and he's like, yeah, dude, it's, it's like, it, it's nothing you want to see. Like, it's nothing, it's nothing special. I was like, yeah, but like, I still want to go out there. And he's like, yeah, but the football's not that good. I was like, just take me out there, man. And so we go out there and, and the, the, that specific club was more like, um, was more like a country club, I guess you could say, but it had, I don't know, uh, more than more, probably more than 10 soccer fields. Um, a kind of around the facility and there was a bunch of uh like audis and bmws and, and whatever in the parking lot so it really did feel like a country club and then in the middle of all the fields was like a like a true athletic club so the parents would bring their kids to training and they wouldn't just drop them off or watch from the sidelines like they were participating in spin classes or playing basketball or lifting weights or there was like a like a kind of like a clubhouse or coffee house type thing where you can buy coffee and and snacks and beer or whatever and hang out and it felt like just a community it felt it felt like like you know those people had ownership in the club and that was badass and that's something and that we could totally replicate here in the united states we could absolutely replicate that and nobody's doing it
1: everybody's gone off and and created sport for themselves you know like we talked about the individual transactions right like Now it's a, there's a baseball doing baseball, uh, football doing football track doing track basketball doing basketball. But think about how, how, uh, well we do, we've just, honestly, we've just moved that the sport club into the academic world. And that's that like, that's killed it. Um, because once you finish from an institution, yeah, you're an alum, but you're not a lot of alum, you know, move in different places, the ones from the community that aren't alum aren't as invested, you know, um, imagine if every, I mean, just imagine if every university, um, everywhere that there's a university, they just opened their doors and said, everybody from the community can be a part of it. And also pay to, you know, uh, and some rec centers are doing that, but imagine if that, how much more invested are they in the sports that are there? Yep. also, You know, Dude, don't that, get me started on that. Yeah. You,
0: you just, you just hit a chord with me because the elementary school that I grew up that I grew up going to. Um, it's like five houses down, down the street from my mom's house. I'm actually at my mom's house right now. And, um, and they redid the entire, uh, perimeter of the school and it looks like a fucking jail. I hate it. It looks like a jail. Nobody wants to go to something that looks like jail. And, so when you or when i drive by now i never see kids on the playground i never see kids playing basketball or soccer or anything when school is out but when school is in like you know all the kids are dribbling balls around and they're playing basketball whatever and as soon as school is out it's done because who wants to go to something where you have to walk through bars um and and gates and, and all kinds of stuff just to you know just to go hang out and play with your friends and and it's not just my old elementary school that's done that. My old high school has done that. Like all the schools around here are doing that, and I don't know if it's just coincidence or 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 what it is, but those schools are completely empty from three thirty on in in the afternoon. They, they don't, you know. There's there's very there's very 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 little happening at all of these locations down. There. It just breaks my damn heart.
1: Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, it same. I see all these facilities, and I think you know who could be on it in the evenings. Um, and just, yeah, I I don't know. That's when, when I, when, I mean, I've, I've traveled overseas, um, a lot, every place that I've been, you've seen, you see just little soccer fields everywhere. You know, it's, it's only like, I think it's only like 10 grand or something like that to turn an old, um, tennis court into a futsal court. And how many like old tennis courts are there? if we like, I mean, this is like, if you ever become a billionaire or millionaire, you know, um, first thing I do is start just planting. futsal courts everywhere. Yep.
0: yep. No, I've always, I, that, I've, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do a combination of like a soccer park slash skate park, because I've always felt like those were the two most under underserved things in,
1: in my community here. Um, here. In same Florida. thing here. Yep. Yeah. Same thing here. There's this, yeah, go ahead. There's, I mean, there's good skate parks and there's good spots to play here, but they're not together. Yep. And if you connect them, there's a bigger community, man.
0: Well, I I was just thinking the other day. I was actually talking with my friends about it uh, when we were out getting drinks. That I don't see like whacked curbs anymore. I don't see like like rails, like handrails, and, and, and guys skating like I used to, like in when I grew up in the '90s when I was a kid, middle yeah. school, and and then early two thousands when I was in high school, like every freaking curb had wax on it or every bench had wax on it because guys were always skating. And I don't see that anymore. And and, and then I was thinking about like, I don't, I hardly see anybody on a skateboard anymore. So yeah. it's like, it's like the cities have kind of just, um, eradicated skateboarding because that culture just wasn't accepted in it. And, um, and, and, they didn't see the value in in investing in those types of things, and I think of like Sean White when I think of you know skateboarding and, and kind of like alternative sports. And it's like the city governments don't see value in producing Sean Whites. They don't they don't see value yeah. in giving opportunities to things like that. And then I also think about it with soccer as well. Like they don't see value in investing in soccer in our community, and that's why in where I'm from, we only have one dedicated soccer field. And it's on for lack of better terms, the white side of town. And um and we have I can't even count on both hands how many baseball or softball fields exist in, in, in this town. But this town has probably three times as many registered soccer players than they do baseball and softball combined. So it's like what, yep. what what's the disconnect there? I don't I don't understand, but it's the it's the city government not seeing the value in investing in in soccer and maybe it's because they don't see the return uh, maybe if there was something like hey if we could have a professional soccer team that could climb the ladder maybe the city would be more open to uh to investing in that because they might see value and someday hey maybe um m- you know maybe seattle sounders are going to come to town one day and we're going to have a a, a, a a game against them and it's going to boost our economy something like that like but because that opportunity doesn't even exist um, they're like, okay, well, what's the point? We're just going to dump millions of dollars into a grass field and we have to maintain it. Like that's a pain in the ass. That's kind of how they think about it.
1: There's not a single, yeah. Lit turf field in Stockton. That's not attached to a school. Yep. Same. Um, and unlike uh, it would be booked solid all the time. Yep. Yep. 100%. So you, if you, if, if you talk about them not seeing the revenue, that's where it's like, are you serious? you don't see the, the, the revenue if you if you build it like the the leagues i mean there's leagues um that run and and that's the thing there's all these different leagues different places co-ed leagues and all this stuff but there's no like um uh, organization to it um, and if you build I, I, like look at the success of all these other facilities um so yeah it's it's crazy <laughs>
0: I mean, that's not what we wanted to talk about, right? <laughs> no, no. Man. no. Uh,
1: what,
0: uh, I mean, so at the end of every interview, I I always ask people, what do, what do people need to know? Um, so I, I definitely want to make sure that, that I ask you that question, but I also want to make sure that, you know, if there's something that we haven't gotten to yet that, that we get to it, because if there's, you know, something that you're passionate about or, or something that we started to talk about earlier that we didn't finish,
1: I want to make sure we get to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm passionate about just the, the, the structure of soccer in America. I think, um, you know, I've been lucky to to grow up as a as a coach in NorCal Premier and know, um, you know, the work that they're doing in terms of, of making soccer accessible um, uh, and a good structure of soccer. And, and you know, I've, I was lucky to work for the PDP Um which is their, you know, I think it's Cal South, it's ODP, um, the PDP and the, the, just the, the leaders of NorCal soccer, they're, um, they're for the players and they want to, they're, they're trying to remedy as, uh, as best as they can, this, the situation with, um, with our structure you know they're trying to implement. We have promotion and relegation at the at the youth leagues in, at Northern California, and that's a um, um, terrific uh, mechanism. Um, and I think they're 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 working hard at it. But I I think that's my passion. That's why I'm doing the work that I do. Um, uh, and the kids that benefit from it. I think we have to always think objectively about you know what. Um, what the priorities are for our footballing nation. Because sometimes the priorities are keeping the the pay-to-play model. So the resources that we know are there um stay the way that they are. Um but I think if we're if our priority is winning a World Cup and producing players that can win a World Cup, we have to look at how we build the structures to do that. Um and the more people that we can get swimming in the right direction. And, and, and I'm talking about, you know, the professional level, but the grassroots level is the foundation. The more players that we have and the more players that we know about, the more that we can filter into the system. It's, I mean, the thing that I loved about working with PDP is the guys that I was working with, the scouts and the other people, like we were all, we were mining the central Valley for, for talent. We were connecting with people that had, you know, a team here, a team here. We see, you know, players and we say, Hey, come play with these other good players. And at least that got us the contact information for these players. And they got into the system and they were seen by, by people that could, uh, you know, keep track of them. And, um, and that's an important part of, of what we're doing.
0: Um, Yeah, man, no, so- I, I, I totally agree. And, and when you said, uh, you know, if our goal is to win a world cup, you know, we need to, we need to change some things. And when you look at, you know, everything that's happened in the last few, few years with men's and women's soccer, you can obviously, you can obviously see the, the, in, I guess the, uh, the end goal wasn't necessarily to win a world cup. The, the end goal was to host a world cup. And and that kind of yeah. just makes you, it makes you uh sit and and think about like okay like what was you know what was the incentive there and and, you know some people are gonna are gonna benefit more than many 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 others because of hosting a world cup and and a lot of times the most passionate people for anything are are not in it for um, anything other than than the enjoyment of of the experience and the win uh, or or the drive uh, the drive to win Um, and you know fans would celebrate a win way more than hosting a world cup. And and I I would, I I think a lot of people have said like, you know, in my lifetime, I want to see the U S men's national team win a world cup. And, and they would, you know, they're going to be thinking about that for the rest of their lives. They're not going to, they're not going to think about, you know, Oh, we hosted the world cup. Like, no, like hosting is hosting is hosting. Hosting is not winning. Like I want to win the damn thing. So yeah. I, I want to see us getting moving in that direction of, of preparing ourselves to win something.
1: And I think we, I mean, okay. I think we're moving in that direction. You know, I won't say that we're stagnant, right? Like yep. we're not, we're not sprinting in that direction. Um, but you're seeing it with, um, you're seeing it with more and more players testing their waters at the professional level younger. Yep. Um, and whether that's the professional level in the United States, or the professional level overseas. I mean, Alfonso Davies. Look at look at what he did. He d- he did MLS and showed that he could He had it at, at the MLS level and then bounced. But there's yeah, also he, other guys.
0: He's Canadian though.
1: <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I think that there's there's guys. Uh, you know, I see Dallas. Look, look right now. So I, uh, uh Mikey Vars was here at, at Republic before, and so you know, we, uh, friend of mine and and paying attention to what they're doing. But they're they're playing young guys in the MLS. Yep. and and they're playing them you know like uh, seeing Yuli on the field is great like the, the the that's progress now there's also other guys that are starting in the Bundesliga um, and we need more of that because that pressure is different yep whether you're at the the top of the Bundesliga or the bottom of the Bundesliga that pressure is different if or, um, or, or,
0: or second division or third division
1: shame yep. I mean I went through a, I went through a relegation with a, a club over in uh, that I played for in Germany and that was a great experience uh, something you I, you know you never had here like to, to go and it was a relegation playoff too Damn. Um, which was which was um, it's a experience of a lifetime um, but we need players doing that and when and young um, it'll help them and so I think the more that we get there and and MLS is a good place for some and it's, uh, you know, overseas is a good place for others. I think that that's the important thing is finding the right step for, for each kid. We can't say everything is right for everybody. It's true. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that earlier when I, when I
0: brought up the Christian stuff, that's, that's, yeah. that's exactly right.
1: Yeah. Um, but we need to create the environments that are good for, um, you know, try to create the environments that are good for the gambit of, of people or proven, you know, so.
0: And, and And just that we need to create an environment that includes everybody. So it's not just for Christians. It's not just for Alex's. It's not, you know, it, it can't be one or the other It has to include everybody. and
1: it, and, and and, yeah, be honest, like overseas, there's politics. Outside of the country, there's this politics. There's politics here when when you're talking about um, building top teams and and getting top players in. But there's also the merit of uh, who's the top player and and not necessarily who can just afford to play. Yep. Right. Um, and that's the important part.
0: Yep. No. And, and even at the highest level, man, there's, there's, you know, so much politics, like what's his name at PSG, um, Rabio, like, you know, the PSG, massive politics, like Rabio tried to try to leave. All right. Motherfucker, you're on the bench forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it never, it never, it never ends, man. Like there, there's always stuff, but you know, as, as a whole, the structures and the mechanisms in, in place produce uh, an ultra competitive environment that force people to uh, to make the right investments, to make smart investments, and and to um, to set themselves up to win uh, over over everything else, or, or at least compete over over everything else. And so, like, you can only play politics for uh, you know a, a certain amount of time or a certain way because at the end of the day you need you need to compete and you need to you need to win in order to survive and and that that uh that's way different than what we have here right now so
1: absolutely absolutely and i know that and and especially in america um people don't want the winning or to talk about winning Yep, <laughs> you know like that's a bad that's a bad word um but it's, it's, there's a score yep. from, from your youngest age, there's winning and losing, you know? Um, uh, and it's just how you, how you take it as part of the process. And um, that's important losing or winning, um, as like the, I'll kill you to do it. I mean, okay, that might be unhealthy, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's also what's the reality, right? Like you can't, you can't say that's, that's yeah, you can say it's bad, but you can also, say like that's how it is so if you know going back to kind of what we're talking about if if i'm competing with somebody else and he thinks that way and that's gonna uh, help him take my money and my job then don't i need to adjust Mm -hmm. you know um and like you you know speaking on rabio it's like that's that's part of learning to be a professional um and and part of that world so it's a good lesson for him.
0: Yep. Hey, uh, Jordan, where can where can people connect with you and find 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 more about or find out more about you and what you're doing either in Stockton or or with Sac Republic?
1: Um. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, you can find Sac Republic, uh, SacRepublicFC.com. Um, kind of cool. We're going to, uh, you know, uh, this evening. There's a city hall vote. Um, regarding, you know, some of the plans that involve the next steps for MLS. So um, I encourage everybody to kind of to stay on top of that. Um, um, and uh, you can also find me on Twitter um, and, and Facebook, I'm Jordan Farrell. And I'm, I'm not sure what my Twitter is. I'll have to, I'll have to send that to you. Hold
0: on, I'll look it up right now. Uh, okay. At Farrell underscore J Z.
1: Yep, that's it. There it is, and
0: it's Ferrell F E R R E L L.
1: Yep, two E's, two R's, two L's. Perfect.
0: <laughs> All right, man. Well, I uh, I appreciate your time. That was a really good conversation, and uh, I'd I'd like to get you back on back on the show, uh, you know, again in the future, and, and see if we can get some updates about what's going on, either with um, the professional side or, or just like what's going on in in the in the lower levels in Stockton and and projects that you've that that you're kind of working on so I wish you all the best of luck
1: with with everything dude absolutely man I appreciate it I think um I just want to say it's an honor to be asked to be on man (laughs) I listen to to your podcast a lot and uh you guys are doing great work there with uh 343 so um pretty cool
0: All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast and a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think, but instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.